Pastor Larry asked me a few weeks ago to fill in for him, so I appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. And um, my name is Kevin. It's good to see y'all again this morning. Hello. Good morning. Matt has already uh, spoke out of uh, Romans chapter 13 and uh, talking about how uh, in the beginning, Adam was created by God and he had a perfect fellowship, a, a perfect uh, just union, a perfect community, a perfect faith and righteousness with, with God. And then we found that Adam sinned. And that is one of the, the topics that we're going to be talking about today is uh, what happened with Adam's sin. And uh, I would like to, uh, first of all, just read a little bit um, from Romans, Romans chapter 5. Just to cover this a little bit. Romans chapter 5. And we're going to throw that up here on the, uh, the first slide there. Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those sinning, whose sinning was not like the transgression of the first Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. And with that, let's just open up with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you so much this morning, God. Thank you for the people that are here. Uh, Lord, just thank you for your message. I pray that open up our hearts and our minds to hear you and only hear you. And God, we give you the praise and glory. God, give us grace to understand this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I know popular right now, if you watch any kind of commercials, is uh, like Ancestry.com. Uh, you ever, you can go back and figure out like where you came, you know, like where your family came from, uh, what, what your lineage is, uh, and it's pretty interesting. And uh, some of the people have done that on, on uh, my wife's side, Stephanie, and uh, th they figured out that, you know, there's different countries where people are from, um, and actually trace some, some uh, ancestry back to even Western Africa. And so there, there are some, you know, some countries and things that you're like, man, I wouldn't even have thought that, uh, that my ancestors could come from. On, on another side of Stephanie's family, it, you can trace it back like 17 generations to royalty in England. It's kind of crazy how they do that. And then we can kind of look personally. And have you ever thought about saying, you know what, if you trace my family back, you're not going to find a Christian there. You're not going to find anybody in church. You're not going to find anybody who cares about Jesus, who believes in God or anything, but yet here you are today. You're in church, you're listening to the word of God, you're listening to, uh, to you're, you're singing songs about Jesus, and yet you're looking at your family tree and you're saying, what happened? Why me? And, and, I, and I think that we can even do this whenever we trace the lineage from Jesus, and we can trace it back, and we can start at Adam. And we can try to figure out saying... How did the people from Adam lead all the way to Jesus? Were they perfect people? Is your family line, are they perfect people that led you to here? Or is it kind of a mess? And that's, uh, that, that's the, uh, pretty much the, the main of what we're going to talk about today. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn into Genesis chapter 5. 
I've been teaching and reading uh, out of Genesis to the youth. And in my personal reading and stuff, I've been reading Genesis. And I get to these chapters where it, it talks about genealogy. And a lot of times you read it and you just almost skip over it. You're just like, oh my goodness, there's so many people who lived, and they lived a long time, and they get, and if you have King James, it'll say they begot, you know, Adam begot Seth, and Seth begot so-and-so, and so-and-so begot so-and-so, and you're just like, oh, that's a lot of begots, right? And if you have another version, it might read a little bit different, but look at Genesis chapter 5. It's the book of generations of Adam, and when God created Adam, he made him in the likeness of God, male and female. He created them. Keep in mind that this is not an exhaustive list of genealogy. Okay, I'm not going to read the entire thing, all right? But I just want to give you uh, just the idea. Verse 3. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered or he begot a son named Seth. Now, he already had a couple of sons before then, right? Cain and Abel, right? Cain's not mentioned. Abel can't be mentioned. But we start at Seth. And if you remember, I mean, this has been a while, but Pastor Larry did a, a, a sermon on Seth, and it said, from that time on, from Seth, people began to praise the Lord. So there are a few mentionables within these genealogies, and this is Seth. It says, named it Seth, in the days of Adam, after he fathered Seth, were 800 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. And then Seth, he had, uh, he had lived 105, and he fathered Enosh. And on and on and on until you get to Noah. And then in Matthew chapter 1, uh, you can do the same thing. It's like you start with Matthew chapter 1, and it'll start with Abraham, and Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac, and Isaac begot uh, Jacob, and Jacob begot so and so, and so and so, and so and so, and so and so, and it leads you down to Jesus. And a lot of times, again, in our reading, we just almost skip over those. There's like, there's a lot of names I can't even pronounce. We'll just skip over that part. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of importance within those names, within those, that lineage. And, uh, and so, so what happened with Adam, with that perfect fellowship, the perfect faith, the perfect righteousness that happened with Adam? What happened? He sinned. God told him, don't take the fruit. You can have any fruit in the tree, you know, in the garden, but don't take of that tree. Don't take any fruit from that one particular tree. And he did. And then what happened? We see that sin came into the picture. Sin came into the world through one person, Adam, the first Adam. And it broke the fellowship with him. And so God sacrificed an, uh, an animal, just like Matt talked about. He atoned for the sin. He covered Adam and Eve's sins with the blood that was shed from that animal. He covered them with animal skin. And then we see as Adam, from then on, begot, 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 fathered, so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. And one of the things that happened, you can go to the next slide, it says that death was imminent, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. That was God's words. And so through death, though death entered through Adam, a new type of Adam would come to settle sin once and for all. And as we can see, it says that all the days of Adam, he lived 130 years, and he died. And then we get to Seth. And Seth, they were 912 years, and he died. And as you read every name, it was certain that every single one of them would face death because of Adam. 
Let's go to the next slide. So now let's look at the, the, the genealogies and the lineage. So like I said, if you can trace your family tree back and you can say, you know what? There might not have been a whole lot of Christians in my family tree. There might not have been a lot of people that went to church in my family tree. Uh, maybe there was. Maybe there were pastors. Maybe there were God-fearing people in your family tree. But I'm telling you, there is no family tree that you're going to trace back that's perfect. And we're going to see that here also. Um, it's a little tough to see, but this is going to tell you. We're going to get into some science, all right? Textbooks in your public schools might debate this, all right? But anyway, if you go back about 4,000 years before Christ, you'll see uh, around creation, you'll see Adam. And it says that he was around 130 when he had Seth. And then he lived 800 more years. I want you to see around the time where Adam died, and then just follow that down, Noah almost could have talked to, to, to Adam. Now, Noah's father, Lamech, probably as a young child, could have went to Adam and said, oh, great, 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 grandfather, Adam, will you please tell me about the creation story? And they could hear the story for themselves. Just a little side note. But anyway, all these, as you pass down the family line, the, the, the Jared and the Enoch, the Methuselah, uh, Lamech, Noah, as you get to all these guys, all of them were imminent in sin, which led to death. And so your family tree isn't perfect because these guys weren't perfect either. Um, they lived so long that, that, again, these relatives could hear them, uh, and they could hear uh, the, the, the flood story. Look at Noah. Noah, he was 500 years old when God met him and said, I want you to build an ark. And then after the flood and all that, there was like 450 more years. And look, almost to Abraham, when you get to Abraham, it's like there, there could have been a possibility that even Abraham might would have been able to go to Noah and said, Noah, will you tell me about the flood story? I heard that your dad talked to, to Adam and might have, could, could have heard the creation story. Will you tell me about that? And within culture and within family, this was a common way to share uh, history, was by telling the story. And we get into Moses, where Moses wrote, started writing, uh, writing down what God told him to write down about it. So um, there's not a perfect pattern here either. As you can tell from Noah, uh, Noah's, it, it shows... Noah's middle child, Shem. Japheth actually was the oldest. And by culture in the, in the Bible times, usually the, the most inheritance would go to the firstborn, which was Japheth, Noah's son, oldest son. But in Genesis, it says that it was the Lord God of Shem. And so it's out of line. And you're like, well, that's not fair, is it? Well, the pattern is not exactly fair in here. Um, you can go to Matthew chapter 1, if y'all will. You can turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 says, The book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. And Isaac begot Jacob, or was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah. 
And we're going to see that these are not in the, in the right line here. Let's go to the next slide. Jacob was not the firstborn, right? Who was the firstborn? Esau. Esau said he had red hair. Yeah, he's like a red-headed beast or whatever. I don't know, you know. I wouldn't know anything about that. You know, he probably had long, awesome red hair. And was just... <laughs> but his brother probably hated his red hair and was like, man, this dude, he doesn't have a soul. And so I'm going to steal his birthright. <laughs> I can say that because I was red-headed, Okay. But Jacob was not the firstborn. Esau was. And Jacob tricked Esau out of the blessing. And so that wasn't a perfect pattern within the lineage. Now, if you like a Hollywood love story, let's look at Jacob and Rachel. Jacob loved Rachel. He saw her and just fell in love with Rachel. And then it was saying that Rachel couldn't have children at the time. Um... But what happened first was Jacob had to work seven years to get his love, Rachel. And so at the wedding night, the father was saying, well, Rachel's not the oldest. My oldest daughter's name's Leah. And so on the wedding night, he switched daughters and said, Leah, you're going to marry Jacob. And so Leah stood in and was probably had her face covered so you couldn't see her. And so he woke up the next morning and realized, oh, no. Wrong daughter. Yes. He was tricked. And so Jacob ended up marrying Leah. And then Jacob wanted Rachel. And he said, I will work seven more years to have my love. And so he did. And he, and he, and, and he was able to marry Rachel also, his love. But guess what? Leah had a son named Judah. And when Jacob was, had, had 12 children, and, he, and that eventually became the 12 tribes of Israel, you know who the line passed through, who is mentioned in, in, uh, in here? It says, look at verse 3. And Judah, or verse 2, it says, Jacob, Jacob fathered Judah. Judah was not the firstborn. He was the fourth and you're thinking, well, that's not a perfect pattern. That's not fair. Jacob, could, he, did, he wasn't able to marry the love of his life at first. That's not fair. I know. That's how this genealogy and lineage is. You look at it and you're like, it doesn't make sense in some ways. But you know what? Have you ever looked at your life and said, my life doesn't really make sense. I don't get this. There's been a pattern since the beginning of time that hasn't really made a lot of sense. But it does to God. To keep that in mind. And so Israel, uh, Jacob, with the, with the uh, 12 children, he had the fourth. He named him Judah, and Judah wasn't perfect. Now, let's go to the next slide. Within this, there are a few women that are mentioned in the lineage of God that led down to Jesus. This was not culturally accepted to mention women within lineage, but they are in the Bible and it's kind of interesting how some of the women that they mentioned, they were by far, they were not perfect women. Take Tamar. Judah was actually tricked into sleeping with his daughter-in-law named Tamar. And she had children, and they're mentioned in this lineage. She posed as a prostitute 
and slept with her father-in-law and had children. Then we get down to um, Rahab. Rahab was a Gentile. She wasn't only a Gentile, which, you know, in this lineage, you want a pure Jewish lineage. Not so within this lineage. Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. And she actually helped rescue some of the Israelites in a particular city, which is mentioned in Joshua chapter 2. And Rahab, because that she showed grace and favor to a few of the Israelites within the city to keep from being killed, God saw that as faith and counted it to her as righteousness. And she's listed here. Uh, and also Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite, which was a Gentile. She married in. She married a man named Boaz. And because that she married in, she is counted as righteous and in this lineage. And then also it says, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Who was the wife of Uriah the Hittite? What was her name? Bathsheba, right? David, King David, which is also mentioned. It says that through the wife of Uriah the Hittite, a Gentile woman, David had a baby with Bathsheba and named him Solomon. David was not a perfect man. Even his son Solomon was not a perfect man in this lineage. It said that Solomon even had, it said, a thousand wives and concubines. I would say that women had a stronghold in his heart. We'll say that, right? As you read this and you're like, ah, one wife, what? You know, <laughs> men, am I right? You know, no, okay. <laughs> To remember uh, dates and uh, to get the kids here, and, and, and I can't imagine a thousand, uh, you know, activities going on and having to remember everything. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, so stick to one, you know. All right. So the genealogy, it, it eventually led to an imperfect path, but it led to the perfect one. A true and better one. A true and better sacrifice for atonement and king. Uh, as we mentioned, we go to the next slide. It said Jacob had 12 sons. Reuben was the oldest. And it was awesome because Jacob at one time, it said that he approached uh, all his 12 sons and he was going to give them a blessing. And he got uh, to Reuben, the oldest, and he blessed him. And he got to the second one and he blessed him. He got to the third and he blessed him. And he got to the fourth, which was Judah. And he blessed him and he said, Judah... From you, the scepter will not be taken out of your hand. And the scepter meant kingship or royalty. From Judah, from the fourth. And Revelation 5, 5. But one of the 24 elders said, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. Meaning Jesus. From Judah. The imperfect guy, the mishap with the daughter-in-law, all that. It came from Judah, the scepter. And that's why we refer to Jesus as King Jesus. So what's the significance of all this lineage? What is the, what's the real meaning behind all this? Well, number one, not all lineage was royalty. Part of them were, but not all of them were royalty. So if we refer to King Jesus as King Jesus, does that mean that we have to come from royalty? Not necessarily, no. 
Because if we look at all the lineage from before, they were not all royalty. But Judah was given the scepter to become royalty, which led down to Jesus. But you know what? Through Jesus, we are royalty. If you have faith in Jesus, then you have a royal priesthood. Number two, Jesus can identify with sinners. I mean, you look at that and you're thinking, you know what, my life has been messed up. I heard somebody tell a story uh, last week and they said, I would love to bring my cousin or I'd love to bring my relative, but they're just saying, if I set foot in a church, it's going to set on fire and it's going to collapse and everybody is going to be, you know, it's going to be a terrible situation. I'm sure that y'all probably heard similar stories from other people too. And the idea is, if you look back at this lineage, at this genealogy, they have done way worse If you're just pointing fingers out horizontally, judging your sin to someone else's, and you get to that line, that that genealogy, believe me, you're going to be looking pretty good. They sinned, and they sinned huge. And maybe you're sitting there, and you're like, I did too. Well, guess what? Jesus can identify with you. Because in this line, in the Bible that is listing these genealogies, Jesus is saying, I created that person. I love that person. That person loved me. They might not have had a perfect life, but look, their names are written in the Bible of this genealogy, and it's leading down to me. And that's how come Jesus can identify with us as sinners. Charles Spurgeon said, he, Jesus, he is akin to the fallen and to the lowly, and he will show his love even to the poorest and most obscure. Number three, Jesus can fully represent our fallen race. Why? Because Jesus became our sin. All that sin that leaked down from Adam all through the the lineage that led to Christ, Jesus became the sin. When Adam sinned and they shed the blood of an animal, that was, in, in essence, the blood of Jesus that was covering Adam and Eve to cover their sins. On down through the line, you have to shed the blood of an animal. You have to sacrifice an animal. And Jesus is saying, I am the, li- the lamb. I am the lamb that was slain, the perfect lamb that was sa- slain, the true and better lamb that was slain for the forgiveness of your sins. If y'all will, turn in uh, Romans chapter 5. I, we have it up here on the board. It's Romans 5, 15 through 19. Romans 5, 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, Adam... Much more have the grace of God, the free gift of grace. And then look at 18. Therefore, as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. And as we look at that, we can say through one man's sin, Adam, all sinned. But through one man's act of righteousness and sacrifice for atonement, it said all can be forgiven. Jews and Gentiles alike can be forgiven. So if you're saying, you know what, I don't have the perfect past, I don't have the perfect lineage, I don't have the perfect you know, father or mother or grandmother or father or whatever, uh, great, you know, great-grandfather, it doesn't matter. Jesus is looking at you as an individual saying, I can forgive you of your sin. I can love you. I can take you out of something that's chaos, and I can bring you into something that's peace. 
You know what that's called? It's called electing grace. It's election. Did you deserve it? No, you didn't. I didn't either. None of us deserve that. It's just the grace of God. He's pulling us out of what seemed like crazy and putting us into something that is full of peace and righteousness and faith. And so, some closing thoughts. In, a, in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about faith. And some of these mentioned in the genealogy, it brings up their faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, y'all can turn there if you'd like. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And in verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please him or God who forever would draw near to God. He must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Through faith. And as you can read, it can say, by faith, Adam, or by faith, Abel, or by faith, Abraham, by faith, Rahab, by faith, Judah, by faith, Moses, by faith, Noah, and it goes on, and the list goes on and on and on. By faith, God changed their life. Through faith, God changed their life again. And by faith, God changed their life again. So many people were changed through that. And you know what? They did not receive the true and better earthly promise as you get to the end of chapter 11. So what? So maybe they didn't get their promise, their earthly promise. You know what they got? They got a true and better heavenly promise. Number two, it says that Luke 3, well, first of all, it says no matter what your family or history or lineage, God can rescue us. It says he rescues us through faith in Jesus and he gives us a new lineage, a glorious godly genealogy through faith. And in Luke chapter 3, Luke chapter 3, about halfway through the chapter, it's kind of interesting because it takes Jesus, it takes Jesus at his baptism. And as Jesus comes out of the water, God says, you know, behold, this is my, my, my only begotten, my only begotten son, whom I am well pleased. And then from there, it goes from Jesus to Joseph and Mary, and the lineage goes backwards. It goes backwards from Jesus all the way up, like to, to you know, Moses and Noah and Abraham and all these guys, and all the way back to Adam, the first Adam, the sinful Adam, and then it goes all the way back to God. It's almost as if God is saying, I'm reversing the curse of sin. He's saying that whole lineage line that looked all messy and the pattern was not right, you know, and your family history that's not right, it, it's reversed in, in Luke chapter 3. It takes Jesus and he takes him all the way back to God and he says, that's your relationship with me. You don't have, it doesn't matter about the whole messy line of people. He goes, your relationship is directly with me through Jesus Christ. So God, it says that we have direct access to God now through Jesus' his son. Jesus is our true and he's our better sacrifice. He's the atonement for our sin. And along with Jesus, we too, we can conquer sin and death and we can have an everlasting eternal life. 
In 1 Corinthians, on the very last slide, it says, It is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. He was a created living being. But get this, the last Adam, Jesus, he became a life-giving spirit. Jesus was the life-giving spirit. And in closing today, I'm going to ask Matt, I've asked Matt Wagner to come back and uh, come back and, and sing a song for us. It's called True and Better. And this song is just going to uh, just kind of wrap up and, and, and put together all these things. Of saying, from Adam, the first Adam to the second Adam, Jesus, there was always a plan in mind. There was always a true and better. Sin did wreck everything. But Jesus fulfilled and corrected everything through grace and through mercy and through forgiveness. And so let's, uh, let's pray together and just thank Jesus for the life-giving spirit. And I hope that you know him. And if you want to know him, talk to me after church, please. I would love to tell you about this life-giving spirit through Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your, 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 your life. Thank you for the hope that it brings. Thank you for the forgiveness that it brings, God. I know that some of us, we might not have the best lineage or the best family history or whatever, Lord, but it doesn't matter. Through Jesus, we have access to God by faith. Lord, we love you so much this morning. God, help us to worship. Help us to pour our lives into you and to serve you with our whole heart. We give you the praise and glory for everything in our life. In the name of Jesus, amen. I'm going to teach you this really quick. The chorus goes like this. It says, Christ the Savior, true and better than anything of this world. together and sing this that Christ is the true and better Adam he's the true and better Moses and by him we're safe there is a true and better Moses who intercedes on our behalf there is a true and better Joseph, who suffered undeserved wrath, there is a true and better David, through whom salvation soon would come, the ram that took the place of Isaac. Fulfilled in Christ the Son, oh Christ the Savior, true and better than anything of this 
Jesus is the true and better answer to all that we have seen you do. He's the true and better salvation. God, that by his righteousness, by his blood, we're saved. Lord, we praise you. We give you praise. We give you honor for that truth this morning. 
God, remind us of it as we leave this place. God, keep it in our hearts. May we be mindful of you, of your truth, your gospel, your word. May we be sensitive to your spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray.